Hey ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Brand new year, 2019. As always, I'm joined by Dom. Praise the sun. Praise the sun. Uh, peek behind the curtain. We were planning to do Goaty uh, talk this week and you know unveil our Goaty for 2018. Unfortunately, Jordan wasn't able to join us, so we'll get to that next week and we'll talk about... He got... Uh, our boy Jordan got trapped in a in a brothel. In a brothel. Jeez, in a brothel. He's been stuck there for weeks <laughs> now. We're trying to call the authorities to get him out of there, but he'll be back soon. The plan is we'll go over each of our individual top five um, for last year, and then we'll unveil our game of the year top ten list. Uh, turned out pretty well from everything I've calculated. It looks like it's going to be a good list. Hopefully Jordan joins us next week so we can get through that. Um, but, yeah, first podcast of the new year, talking about some news. I was actually worried, Dom, that this was going to be a dry news week, but there was some stuff that came up late that's really interesting, and I actually got one of my predictions correct for this year in the third day of the year, which is convenient. Um, Damn. But anyways, I want to talk about what we've been playing. I'm going to start with the thing that I know me and you didn't play. Then I'm going to go to the thing that both of us have played and then the thing that we both recently played that was new. You'll get it when I get there. Um, Actually, I don't know if you've played Ashen at all. Um, No. So, yeah, I I played some Ashen. Um, Obviously, (laughs) this is like the number one prime game where you can say it feels like a Souls game, obviously. Um, It's slower I'd say it feel if out of any of the Souls like games, it feels most like Dark Souls one, um, which is you know, a good or bad thing depending on which type of from software games you like. Uh, the art style is really cool, as people saw in the trailers. The no faces, um, the combat feels just like a Souls game. Obviously, it's not as crisp, but I wouldn't say it's bad. I would say it's better than Lords of the Fallen, but not from software. You know, um, so it's not Lords like Lords of the Fallen was. It just did not feel right to me. The controls. Not yeah. like the control mapping, but just the way it felt chunky handled. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't right. Um, it's it's definitely better than Lords of the Fallen, um, but it isn't like the From Software Christmas. It obviously has that indie game feel to it. Um, the world's interesting. Uh, they actually have characters that talk to you a lot more than we're used to in Dark Souls, where it's you know you kind of figure out the story on your own and people give you cryptic messages. There's like this. Um, the one thing that surprised me is there's like this little town hub area and you find allies like random people in the world and they come back to when you can actually do side quests for them specifically and you earn um, upgrades and stuff like that. And that's something I'm not used to in Souls where uh, you have this hub with characters and you actually interact with them over and over again. I mean like in Dark Souls 1 you had one character and I don't remember Dark Souls 2 too much but like and I guess Dark Souls 3 you had the hub but you had to like tr- like fast travel there, whereas this is like kind of in the center of the map, if that makes sense. So it sprawls out in all directions around it, and you always come back to it. Um, so that's like Dark the, Souls 1, kind of. Kind of, yeah. yeah. But I mean the amount of characters, right? The diversity of like characters is really interesting. So you meet this like um, sad girl who you're trying to figure out what her, her story is. Like, did she lose her parents? There's like this giant... Um, and you have to help him get his, his, like, uh, his welding tools back. It's interesting. It's like, it's definitely more traditional RPG than Souls games are, but it does a lot of stuff that I'm familiar with Souls games. Um, in some of the reviews that I've seen, uh, people have said that it's not as difficult as Souls. I do think the moment to moment gameplay enemies, like the, the common enemies that you run into, I think are easier than Souls games, but the first boss I ran into felt like a first boss in a Souls game. Um, 
the difficulty was definitely ramped up to what I expected. It's just like the the more common enemies are a little bit easier, which I kind of assumed would be the case with an indie game who doesn't want to be as challenging, I guess, to the people who get into the game, if that makes sense. Like, they want to be a little bit more friendly. More accessible. Exactly. Um, I haven't played it a whole lot. I've only played it maybe three and a half hours, three hours, um, something like that. I'm enjoying it. I don't know if I'll get back to it and finish it. I do like the game. I just don't know if it hooked me enough to want to go back and play more, you know? Um, Who knows? We'll see. Next up, I played God of War over the break. Um, Obviously, everyone knows that has listened to this that I bought a PS4 to play Spider-Man, and I said, by the end of the year, I will get to God of War. Um, I started it up, and I was enjoying it. Um, I got to the stranger at the beginning of the game. Um, At the beginning of the game, I, I already had an issue with the combat, and it's it's weird. It's not that the combat is like designed poorly. It's just the combat to me was the one game where I automatically knew how I could cheese the system. Uh, And for the first, I want to say a third of the game, all I would do is throw my axe, pull it back, throw my axe, pull it back, throw my axe, pull it back. Um, And I understand that's like, Oh, that's the way you're choosing to play the game. But if I find that the easiest way to handle things and it works and it doesn't really cost me much, then, you know, um, even later in the game, when you fight the fire troll or giant and the ice giant at the same time, I literally just rolled around the map the entire time and used uh, Atreus to shoot them, and I killed them both at the same time just using his shock arrows. Um, I'm not saying that means the combat's bad. It just, for me, I immediately know how to cheese the system. So it was there wasn't a lot of, like, uh, smoke and mirrors there for me. It was like, oh, I already know how I can get through this the most efficiently. So it's tough. Like, I, I, I don't want to put it all on... Um, you know, Sony Santa Monica saying your combat's bad because I found a way to cheese it. That doesn't really make sense. It's just for me, I lacked enjoyment with the combat because I found out it was so easy to cheese, if that makes sense. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah that makes sense because uh, I remember one of the, I want to say it was Dark Souls 2. Usually in the, any of the Dark Souls games, really, um, you can, for the most, most areas, you can actually just kind of run past all the enemies. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and uh, they'll either fall off or eventually stop chasing you. Like, and you could completely – I mean, you're not going to see everything in the area, but you could kind of just cheese whole areas that otherwise would take you tries and tries again, how it's meant to be played really, or how they intended it. Um, and you could kind of yeah. cheese them that way. And, of course, lots of the bosses you can cheese as well, but some are more obvious um, and how you might cheese them. I like saying cheese as a verb so much. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. So, like – uh, and it's it's less obvious in, in Dark Souls than obviously what you're describing to, that you could just run past everyone. But if you ever just tried it, you'd be like surprised how well it works. <laughs> um, no, I, but I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I played combat normally. I it was so. Remember when we, you guys first played God of War? You said that you felt that the combat was better than Dark Souls, and that was something that I found was surprising because I don't even. I think it's closer to Ashen than it is to Dark Souls personally. I just don't think there's. It, it just doesn't feel as smooth to me. Um, the Leviathan. I'm yeah, you said you now. you said <laughs> you said after you had were playing the game that it was the best combat you played in a game and it was better than any of the Souls games. Shit. And and Jordan and I were like, whoa. <laughs> and uh, yeah, not so you can't go back on that statement. I'm not holding you to it, but um, that was the frame of mind I had going into playing this because I was like, oh, Dom holds this in high regard, and I I, I trust your opinion on things. So I was like, I want to see it. And I'm not saying the combat's bad. I, I hate that I'm harping on it so negatively. I really do enjoy it. 
it was just an expectation versus reality thing for me where my expectations i think were so high on the combat that it let me down because of that whereas that like you and jordan had the opportunity to go in with fresh eyes and didn't hear as much of that conjecture about it you know what i mean i think that was the issue there um that being said i love the story uh i talked about when this game was originally coming out how i love mythology norse mythology specifically i love all that stuff and surprisingly enough throughout the story um, a lot of the things that people thought like, oh, if I just knew Norse mythology, this would come easy to me. Sony Santa Monica did a good job of twisting characters from what you'd expect of them. So spoiler for the first hour of God of War, skip a minute if you want to. But the stranger ends up being Balder. And in hindsight, when you know that he can't, when he's when he's untouchable and, and he doesn't take any damage, it's like, oh yeah, that's you know known for being Balder. But the the problem with that is that Balder is seen as more of a handsome, pretty boy in mythology, whereas this guy is more of the gruff okay. guy you find at the bar at 2 a.m. in the morning, right? Yeah. Um, See, I didn't even know that. Yeah, so they, I think they the did a good job Balder. of tweaking personalities to where you would think, like, based on their powers or abilities, oh, this is definitely this person, but the personality is so weird, no, that doesn't make sense, and they would change it, right? Um, uh Atreus, his mother's name, is actually an alternate name for the name of, and I forget her name off the top of my head, the mother of Loki, right? So I know a lot about Norse mythology, but I, I'm not too familiar with alternate names for characters, right? Um, mm -hmm. So that one was a big surprise to me. But yeah, I, I enjoyed the story. I thought it was great. I thought Mimir was a fantastic addition. Oh. Um, having him on your belt was really cool he's a lore machine right so all he does is mm -hmm. feed you lore about the world which is really great and i haven't played a whole lot after rolling credits but even a little bit i have he's telling me stuff about odin and freya and all these different characters and giving me more backstory on them um the scene when you go back to your home after beating the game is really cool uh it's a great post credit scene um that was cool because that wasn't in your face so like towards the end of the game Atreus and, and uh, Kratos talk about you know possibly going home when it's all said and done and they say it in a normal conversation but it's not being over the head uh, that you need to do that or even when you finish the game and you roll credits it doesn't say go home for a special message or like go home it's just like here's the world right but hearing the characters talk about it makes it feel a lot more natural um I'm trying to think of... I don't want to spoil too much of the game for people who haven't played it. I thought the enemy variety was very good. Um, funny enough, I didn't run into any of the Valkyries through my entire playthrough. Really? Yeah, so yeah. when I beat the game, I actually had to go back and fight them and figure out where they were. I naturally just didn't run into them. And I did exploring. Like, I explored huh. the world, but I just, for some reason, didn't run into any Valkyries. Um, I'm trying to think. I haven't done the dragon missions... I want to get to those. I heard those are pretty cool. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of content in the game, and it doesn't feel overwhelming. Uh, I have a lot... So, for me, whenever I play a game like this, uh, a single-player game with a, a you know story-driven, I want to have questions for the sequel, right? And mm -hmm. God, do I have so many questions for what they oh, can do. Oh, yeah. And somebody who, like, I really enjoy Norse mythology, there's so many ways they can go about it. They tease Ragnarok, obviously, where they have Fimblewinter... Um, there's a lot of things they can do with it. I mean, there wasn't even a mention of Fenrir in this game. That would be a really cool fight in the second game, uh, fighting Fenrir. Um, yeah, it just there's a lot of stuff they did really well in this game. I know I harped on the combat quite a bit. I still think it was some of the best combat I played all year. 
I just my expectations were set so high that it didn't meet that for me. Um, but I, I just loved the systems. I loved um, the dwarves. Um, I loved their relationship. This game was about family and relationships from almost every aspect, right? Baldur's relationships, Kratos's relationships, Atreus's relationships, the dwarves' relationships. Um, and I do like that they didn't show Odin and they teased Thor. You could have easily showed them and done something. And that was the craziest thing. I don't know if you felt the same way, Dom. Throughout the whole game, I'm like, oh, this game's probably going to end with me fighting Thor or Odin. That's probably how it's going to end. Not and, in a bad they, way, but uh, They definitely... They kind of, like, fed you that. They wanted you yeah. to think that in the back of your head, the way they showed um, uh, from that that center world place where you go to different realms or whatever. And they Midgar. show, like, oh, there's these four other realms over there. Like, yeah. you're going to go over there, right? It makes you think you're going to... Um, but then simultaneously, that's not what the story is really about. You're hearing these tales and things, but the story, and by the time, by the end of the game, this is what I appreciate most about the story. By the end of the game, you're definitely realizing, like, okay, the story is, is about, uh, like you said, these relationships between these characters, highlighted by Kratos and Atreus, obviously. But um, that's really, I love that, how the focus of the story was actually just, it was that simple, and it was that close to home, and as cool as we can predict that the next game will be a, a whole grander Ragnarok kind of thing or whatever Norse nonsense. I don't know much about, um, but I like that this was just a, a simple story really, and it didn't uh, it didn't do some grand like world saving kind of stuff necessarily. Um, yeah, it's like a, a lot of fantasy games. It's a, a father and a son trying to do what the you know his widow or not his widow his dead wife was asking him to do, and the only reason things get out of hand is mistaken identity. The whole point right. of the right. the the issue between Baldur and Kratos is mistaken identity, and they do a good job of like an onion peeling back the layers slowly and having you figure things out and piecemeal them. Um, and at the end, they have great reveals. They have the reveal. Um, they have the. I don't want to spoil it. They have the first reveal um, when you're looking at all of the images uh, on the wall, and then you have the reveal of all of the 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 world that they're on and what's happened there and it's beautiful like the the environment artists great job and then they have the third reveal which is the biggest reveal right at the end of the game so um yeah it's fantastic game it's one of my most anticipated sequels i think it and spider-man are like neck and neck for me i just can't wait for both of those games um yeah cory barlog did a fantastic job uh, I know Jordan's going to hate me for this, but I think this game is miles ahead of any of the other God of War games. Um, light years, more than miles, man. Uh, I, yeah, it's tough because obviously they're different genres. I still think that those games hold a special place for what they are, but in terms of like when you're presenting the best that this medium has to offer, I think God of War makes it into that list of showing... If aliens were like, show us the best video games of all time, God of War, this God of War makes that list... Those other ones, adding, I think you can find other arcade games that do stuff better. You know what I mean? I don't know. Adding to your point, though, you can't really look at this game without, you know, also taking in the context around it, which is the same team made those other games. Yeah. And so this God of War on PS4 exists um, with those other games already have being made. So that affects our feelings towards this new game, right? So, um, you know, it's good for this game that those other ones existed before it. You know, it, and it says a lot about that team and what they're able to do and, you know, some things like that. So you're right. It's not just like, oh, it's so much better and I'd rather only have this ever. Like, well, there's, I mean, those games were the way they were. They had their place and they're, they're good. They're tons of fun. At least I only played three, but yeah. yeah and I played one and two and I didn't play three. Um, yeah, and it's, 
you know, Sony Santa Monica and Guerrilla Games showed me that I should never doubt or I be fully against a studio trying something different and thinking, oh, they've never done that, so it's not going to work. Um, what Guerrilla Games and Sony Santa Monica have done for me has given me a lot of excitement for playground games because exactly. playground games are known for making Forza Horizon um, the best racing franchise critically of all time. Um, and they're working on a new a new game. Everyone thinks it's Fable. We assume it's Fable. And people are like, oh, but they only make racing games. Yeah, but they make extraordinary racing games with great open worlds. Just like Guerrilla made really solid shooters with great graphics and a lot of stuff. Sony Santa Monica, you know, God of War, the old God of War games aren't what the new God of War is, but they are special in their own way. It just has me excited for Playground. And it's like, if you have a studio full of talent, they're capable of more than you think they are. You know, and that's awesome. Um, before we get to what you're, you've been playing, I want to talk about this because we can both jump in here. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Um, I was planning... I didn't get it at launch. I actually got it uh, closer to Christmas. Um, oh, I wasn't planning so on getting... you do have it. Okay, shit. Yeah, yeah. We were talking in uh, our group chat about playing sometime. Uh, and Jordan... Jo- I can't believe Jordan, behind the scenes, Jordan didn't even know Smash was about knocking people off <laughs> the stage. Which is really <laughs> surprising to me. Yeah. I mean, we all have holes in gaming knowledge. I'm not going to yeah. bash him for it, but it is funny. Um, yeah, so I, I've been playing it. Uh, quite a bit. Uh, I have a couple of local friends who love Smash. We've been playing that nice. as well. Um, I've talked about multiple times on this podcast throughout the years that I'm not a fighting game guy. I loved Injustice 2. I just fighting games don't click with me. I'm not that type of person. It just learning combos isn't fun to me. Um, but Smash is a fighting game, but it's it's fun and it's more for me. It's more about the chaos and just playing with friends than it is one v one me, bro. Right? It's, I'm just not into that. Um, had a lot of fun playing a bunch, unlocked all the characters. Uh, nice. World World of Light, I think it's okay. I don't think it's bad, but I just don't think it's very good either. It's like, whatever. Um, I just haven't had a lot of fun with it. I've, I, it's not that I've. it's been difficult for me or anything. Um, it hasn't been super easy either. Um, but it just doesn't do a whole lot for me, you know. Um, there's not a whole lot there. I actually would enjoy something closer to Injustice 2 where it is a story and creatively you find a way to have the player play as different characters. Whereas this is like, I thought it was going to be more like Injustice 2, right? Where like you had to use Kirby for this section, then you had to use Mario for this section. But no, you just play through and unlock a character. And once you unlock one of your mains, then you can just go through a, lo- a bunch of it, right? And just switch out your spirits. I just think it's okay. Um, so that's why I didn't rank too high for me on my game of the year list that we'll talk about next week. But it's a it's a really fun game, uh, and it's what I expected, but I just don't think it could even be considered one of the best games of 2018 for all that it lacked. Outside of that, yeah, it definitely. Uh, I I played not as much as you apparently. I'm like 20 some characters unlocked. I've just been playing right. by myself. Um, but yeah, I, I got into World of Light. And I'm like, okay, it's Kirby, and then I got Mario, and then I got stuck. And I'm like, I'm not really good at using these characters, and I just was like, I'm just just screw this because I wanted to be Link and I couldn't be Link yet yeah. even though I had Link unlocked in other matches you know whatever um, so I've just been playing like regular old just Smash like just the, the main game type just over and over as Link by myself and it's I'm having a yeah. ton of fun with that unlocking guys as I go um, but yeah it the game definitely um, it hinges on the fact that oh look at all these characters we have in all these stages that's kind of the the selling point of it right like it's got a, it's got some problems and you know so far i didn't like world of light either and 
Uh, it's not like I wouldn't yeah put it in a game of the year kind of conversation either. But yeah, it's definitely a here's everybody. I think that's literally what they say, right? Or everyone's here, you know that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I could definitely see where it's crazy fun if you have a bunch of pl- people playing locally too. Um, yeah, I like it so far. It's it's fun. So I think Smash's strength has always been it's the most accessible and social fighting game there is. Period. Right. I think oh, out of any fighting game. One last thing I'll add. Um, it does do what I'm really glad it did is that you do have to unlock the characters. Whereas back when Mario Kart 8 came out on Switch, you just got all the characters um, as soon as you turn the game on. You Ooh, only unlock like a couple car parts and like colors and things like that. So it wasn't there was hardly any incentive to actually continue playing other than it's fun. That should, and that's why Mario Kart 8 was so good because it was that much fun. But after a while, I was kind of like, ah, I've unlocked everything. And I'm like, I wish, like, I had to unlock more stuff, a little more to push me through. Yeah. Because um, that would have made that game playable um, single player, which Mario Kart 8 I, it wouldn't really be fun single player, I think. Whereas Smash, there's a World of Light mode, which is mediocre, but ultimately, like, you got to unlock all the characters. So, like, that alone, and it's taken a while, there's a shit ton of characters. Like I said, I'm only, like, 20-some in. So, like... That alone is a goal for me. Like, I want to unlock everybody, and so I'm just doing that. So I'm glad they they did they came with that approach as opposed to the Mario Kart approach <laughs> of just giving you everything right out the gate. Yeah, and I'm not – I think that's great, and I'm not going to blame them for what I did. What I did is I found out, okay, how does it track when you're, the next character is able to be fought and unlocked? Oh, it's based on distance. So I set a match for 20 minutes, the big uh, battlefield stage, and I just ran back and forth for 20 minutes. And then you would you fight a, fight a fighter, defeat them – then turn off your switch, turn it back on, fight a fighter, defeat them, turn your switch off, turn it on. Um, and that's how I decided to do it. I'm not, I'm uh, not blaming them for any, anything. Okay. I do agree, though, that it's great that they make you unlock the characters. You can do it through classic mode. You can do it through World of Light. You can do it just by playing. Um, and everything isn't just spoon-fed to you and handed to you. Like, even when you unlock the ability to unlock a character, you still have to beat them to unlock it, which I think is really cool. Right. And I've um, lost a few times, and it's frustrating because you only get one life or whatever. And yeah. a few of them I've, I've lost. I'm like, God damn it. Like, there goes my chance at Bowser or whatever. Um, there is uh, – so if you go to – you know at the home menu, the blue one that's like games and more? Yeah. So yeah, I figured it out. You, okay. you can do that, but you still have to you still have to wait. Like, you still have to play a match yeah. and time, and then you, then you can go back and rematch them or whatever. But, um, yeah, dude, I don't know. It's a fun game. I'm glad I got it. So your, ma- your main is Link, right? Yeah, it was regular Link, which is now Breath of the Wild Link, which is – he's cool. The, the new – bombs that are uh detonated are cool but then i recently just switched to young link he was pretty cool um oh and i also did classic mode for each of them which is really a really cool mode too so far yeah um it's a quick little mini campaign i don't even they made it way it shorter than it used to be which i, I actually yeah. like it's like four matches and then the hand so I'm like, yeah okay, it's pretty cool. cool um but that being said i saw like the toon links in one of the classic mode fights um i fought like four toon links in different colored uh, tunics or whatever. I'm like, oh man, yeah. uh, I really want to unlock that character, and because oh man, I just want to be Toon Link. I cannot wait it's, to unlock him. So, obviously, Link is your main, and you like more of like the mid-speed character, right? Like not too fast, but not too slow. Like Link is a very good mid-speed character. I'm interested to see what Jordan, who Jordan favors, because he said he liked Mario, and there's nothing against Mario. Mario is actually the, one of the best starting characters for people because he's just you know it's Mario. Um, he's very balanced. Uh, for me, my old main used to be King Day to Day from Kirby, um, and in this game, I actually didn't 
enjoy using him that much. And I actually have two new mains in this game that I've ever, never mained before. My first main is Little Mac. I really enjoy Little Mac. His problem is that he doesn't... Once you knock him off the stage, it's almost impossible to get back on the stage. So he has a huge vulnerability there. Um, but I do really enjoy playing as him. Um, but my actual main main is Ganondorf. So when we get to playing, it's going to be nice. cool because you're going to be Link and I'm going to be Ganondorf. And nice. Ganondorf's a heavy yeah. and he moves slow, but uh, he's very powerful and I like his move set. So that'll be really fun. Um, hopefully, Jordan is. Uh, I'm, I hope he's like a maybe. <coughs> it'd be really cool if he was like Sheik or or something. That'd be really cool. His main, yeah. anyways. Or Zelda. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's it for what I've been playing. Uh, wh- anything else you wanted to talk about? I know you mentioned some stuff about Super Smash, but. Yeah, so yeah, I've been I've been playing Smash also. Um, I don't know if I've played Fallout 76 since we last talked. I've been playing it before, but since I started playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, that kind of definitely took over Yeah. from Fallout. Um, I think I mentioned before I was playing it on Project Google Project Stream or whatever, and it works really, really well, and I'm excited about that because that made the game extremely accessible to me. Over uh, my Christmas break here, I had like two weeks of vacation, so... It was just so easy to literally open up a MacBook Air that's like six years old and just play this game <laughs> in like a Chrome four browser. gigs of RAM. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, with yeah. four gigs of RAM and like no like integrated graphics that are half a decade old and stuff. And it's like I could not only like it, it can work on any laptop and potentially like anything with a Chrome browser, like phones or tablets or whatever um, in the future. But not only that, but you just flip. I just flip open the MacBook and literally press play. The browser's already open, you know, and it. That's how quick you boot it up, and then you. I turn on my Xbox controller and it just connects automatically, and it just. That's how fast I was in, um, and then you know it's on their servers wherever. I assume they have a bunch of mega PCs that this is running on somewhere off in the cloud, right? So it loads quick. Like everything is. It's. I don't know. It's just super convenient, um, and so being able to carry a MacBook around the house and just. Oh, we're watching TV upstairs now, so I can just still pop this open. Oh, we're, now we're down in the basement. Same thing. I'm not constricted to any one area. I don't know. It was just super nice. Um, that's not going to be the case if you have cruddy internet. Um, you're probably not going to have a good experience. But, um, yeah, the, the game itself, <laughs> I'm getting too wound up on Google Stream here. Um, but the game itself, I mean, you've talked about it plenty, but I was, like, shocked how much I loved this game. It was, it was super fantastic. Yeah. Just overly huge um so much so that like by the time i finished the the main like family quest i was like okay i just i just gotta stop like i'm like 40 hours in i'm like i'm I'm just done there's just too much i just have like a log of side quests that's just like unbearably long um i have only a handful of cultists left to kill but i was like "Ah, i don't really care about that line anymore i got my family back together and i was like oh shit spoilers for well, actually, <laughs> it might not be spoilers because you're you could make different choices. That's what a, a positive about this game. Um, <laughs> your choices throughout the game, and at different points, you know, it's not just like one choice at the end, but throughout the game, as you make choices, they drastically impact the story and how things happen. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, even early on, like a few hours in, you had to make a really big choice that I, I didn't realize was going to be real. I thought it would be like a telltale thing where. You know, no matter what you do, it was going to end up the same way, just a different oh, way to yeah. get there. But <laughs> yeah. it ended up being like, no, this is a huge branch in the story if you did this or that, Yeah. Um, which I can definitely appreciate. Uh, yeah, the combat is really fun. Although, like, after 40 hours, I was kind of getting uh, I was getting dull on it. I had, you know, I had gotten all the upgrades I wanted and done enough of it. Like, every encounter and every mission was 
kind of the same thing. I go to a fort, you know, I stealth kill most of the people, then have a nice fight, and yada yada. It kind of got a little repetitive. Did you just after sorry the quantity, you, but did you hunt all of the Artemis animals? No, I don't even know what that is. So there's a there's a quest in Assassin's Creed Odyssey where um, this lady's like, hey, we we worship Artemis or whatever, yada yada yada, and then um, they she mark they mark like eight legendary animals on the map, and you can go and hunt all of them. There's like the Nemean lion. I, I don't even think I picked. Huh. Yeah, there's like the Nemean lion, yeah. like a giant boar, uh, giant elephant or something. I don't I don't remember all of them. Like yeah, there's all these like legendary animals you can go and hunt. I didn't even pick up that quest, or if I did, I didn't notice it. But I mean, that that speaks to the freaking the the mass and the volume the, of this game. It's just so much. The map is enormous. There's like as more quests than you can think of. There's more to do. Like um, maybe I should have. Maybe I would have had a better time in the later stages had I like branched into some of those different quests and found different kinds of quests, like hunting ancient animals. That sounds actually pretty cool. But. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I don't. It's a pretty cool game. Uh, what I what I think my biggest highlight of it though was the character of Cassandra. She was one just super well acted and, but more importantly, like just super well written. Like she's hilarious and like really witty. And you pick the dialogue options, but it's never that uh, you don't. She doesn't say word for word what you picked. Um, she's a normal so person, which I I valued. She's like funny and she's yeah. like angry and like Very she shows funny. emotion. Yep. Yeah. But then her angry moments when like when you say something angry to someone the actual way she says it a lot of the times is like you're like sitting there kind of shitting your pants at what she just said and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like one guy i told him like i'm gonna cut his stomach open and like you know hang him by his intestines or something along those lines and she says it very convincingly and i was just like huh all i saw all the the option the dialogue option i picked was like i'm gonna kill you or, you know something vague and then holy yeah. crap she went into some detail in it like it caught me off guard. There's a lot of that kind of stuff. And then she makes a lot of jokes that are unexpected too. Um, they did a really good job with writing that character. So that's, that was probably my favorite part of the game. No shade to Alexios or the actor who played him. Um, but I mean, if you play the game and you don't pick Cassandra, you're doing yourself a disservice. She's his uh, voice acting is weird. I didn't like him. Yeah. I mean, I just don't want to throw a bunch of shade on him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it's she's great. Um, Ezio, I had three games with. So it's hard for me to pull away from him, um, but like Sandra is fantastic. Like I agree with you. She's one of my favorite characters I've had in a long time. Yeah. Um, the thing. So the cool thing is, I know people like to say that uh, Ubisoft games are bloated and stuff like that. But a couple of things from the perspective of somebody who I think a lot of us didn't grow up with a lot of you know expendable income or money. But like the cool thing with the Ubisoft game is when you buy it, you know you're getting a ton of value for it. You know. And oh, yeah. there's a ton there, and you can play so much. And I don't want to go on a tangent about diversity, but, like, being being at the end of 2018 and me seeing a video of this little kid getting – this little black kid getting an action figure of T'Challa and starting to do the Wakanda chant is really cool. And him having a superhero that he can see that he can relate to. A little girl who's, like, 10 years old getting Assassin's Creed, and she gets to pick, do I want to play as the male or the female? And she has, like – Cassandra is, like, a strong – dope character you know what i mean um it's just really cool uh you know people diversity for diversity's sake is awful but diversity is really cool for kids because it gives them something to aspire to and who's to say these girls that are playing as cassandra even these boys are like oh when i get older i want to be a game dev and i want to show some more badass female characters i just think it's really cool i mean to be honest i'm definitely getting to the point where 
the way we usually say it, like diversity for diversity's sake is usually looked at as a negative. But to be honest, yeah. I'm getting to the point where like, I don't know. I think diversity for diversity's sake is can be pretty cool. Like just because yeah. I'm sick of seeing the same kind of stories, this the same kind of characters. Like, you know, and I'm and I'm talking diversity of, you know, personality, you know, uh, exactly, sexuality, yeah. race, gender, whatever. Yeah, anything different. Like, di- like just mix it all up, man. Like, that's more interesting to me. Like, because I don't want to see the same shit over and over. And people who complain that it's always a headline because of it, it's like, well, the more diversity you have and the more often it happens, then it's not a story anymore. And it's just a story. You know what I mean? It's It has nothing to do with, oh, we're finally getting games that feature female leads. It's like, oh, this game has a female lead. Or this this game has a dope lead. Like the more diversity that happens, the less of a giant headline it is. You know, it just it's really cool to see. Because like as a white dude, I think we often take that stuff for granted. Because like a majority of things in pop culture we can relate to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So it's like a tough argument for us. But like yeah, it's just really cool throughout the year seeing all these superhero movies and. You know, whether you liked Black Panther or not, I, can, I can't imagine why you didn't like that movie at the very least and thought it was an okay movie. It's a pretty I don't know good movie. It's a bad movie. It's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you know, well. black kids have never really had that big superhero. There was Blade, but that's, like, pretty much it. Uh, and Blade isn't really somebody you want I mean, to look up to. Who the hell is Blade? <laughs> exactly. Right. I don't even know who that is. So, like. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Wesley Snipes. I don't know if you remember the, the OG Blade movies. But, uh,. Like, the fact that, like, Wakanda was a great representation of African culture, T'Challa's awesome, even Shuri. Like, Shuri's technically now the smartest character in the MCU, and she's a black teenager. You know what I mean? It's just super cool. Um, so, yeah, sorry about the tangent on diversity. I just, Cassandra's dope. No, she's I'm one of the Yeah, she's one of the best Worth characters of last year. Um, and the cool thing is, I think Kratos was a turnaround in ter- terms of how he was written. I do think he was written well. I'm not throwing any shade on him. But I do think that, like, Cassandra kind of got overshadowed because the turnaround for Kratos was, like, so crazy. And Arthur was so written, too, for Red Dead. It just And even Peter for Spider-Man. Yeah. It was a good year for characters, man. Great. Yeah. Um, Shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hop into the news. Um, light news week, but there's some stuff that I want to get to. The first ones are just some information. The last two are kind of interesting, especially for uh, you, Dom, one of them. The first story, Xbox Game Pass January Editions. This comes away of Polygon, Michael McWhorter. Uh, obviously, we've been hearing Game Pass adding games almost every month. And this is like a new update I think we're going to be getting throughout this year. Of This month, we're getting these games. The Xbox has been pushing Game Pass. They want people to get into it. It's a great value. I've talked about it numerous times. We don't need to get into that. But in January, they're adding Absolver, which was the game that kind of looks like Ash and art style-wise, but it's like a fighter. That game was interesting because a lot of people were excited for it, but then once it came out, it wasn't even that I heard, like, bad reception. I just didn't hear anything, you know? I didn't hear anybody talking about Absolver unless I missed something. Um, They're adding Just Cause 3, uh, which are great open-world games if you just love doing a bunch of crazy stuff. The story, don't go in it for the story. You're not going to enjoy that. But if you just want to go into a world and do what you used to do in GTA and just blow stuff up and wreak havoc, Just Cause is always a good time for that. Um, After Charge, which is that multiplayer game with the electricity that they showed at E3, which, like, I think some characters are invisible. I, you know, it's a cool little indie game. Um, Ark Survival Evolved, which is a game I always thought kind of looked not great, but it's huge. Like, <laughs> Ark is one of the biggest games. It has a massive player base. Um, not as big as Fortnite or Minecraft, but very large scale in terms of the amount of people that play that game. 
Um, and the, the interesting one for me, the last one, Dom, is they're adding Life is Strange 2 Episode 1. It's a recent release. It's really interesting that they're adding that game. And they also Xbox also stated that 2 through 5 are hitting Game Pass soon. So Episode 2 is coming out January oh. 24th. And people are assuming that maybe this is going to be a day-and-date Game Pass edition. Which will be really solid because Life is Strange 2 Episode 1 is great. Um, I thought the characters, the brothers, were fantastic. And the story they're telling is really good. And from what we've seen with Telltale... These narrative-driven episodic games might not sell as well as people think they do. They're really popular. They get critical acclaim on the internet, but in terms of actual dollar sales, who knows? And maybe them going to Game Pass is a way for them to make up those profits that maybe they thought they were going to make. And uh, we can't also discount the relationship that Xbox has built with Square Enix over this last year, especially in 2018. Um, they... I've gone stronger with the addition of showcasing Final Fantasy on their stage. And for a long time, obviously, Japanese publishers didn't really work with Xbox. And I think Phil's done a good job to turn that around. And I think this is probably part of that partnership, too, of them being close with Square Enix now. I think it's a cool addition for people who are subscribing to the monthly service, just adding more value. Anything you want to say about those additions? I know probably none of those really interest you, per se. But, I mean, adding games on a constant basis is great, right? Yeah, and they continue to do that. Yeah, like none of those games are, you know, are like ringing my bell. Yeah, yeah. Write that one down. I just thought of that. Um, <laughs> it's my new phrase. Uh, I think I have Absolver from PS Plus, and I like looked at it and just thought, okay, let's move on. Uh, yeah. Life is Strange, though. I still, I still haven't played like the first season, so I actually do want to get into that one of these days. But that's pretty cool that they're bringing that all out on Game Pass. That um, makes me curious. Uh, curious as always, as I've always been with this and then with Netflix at how what these contracts look like and what it costs Microsoft to get them like is it based on how many people play the games or is it just a flat fee I don't know I always wonder is it different for each game you know that kind of thing in terms of negotiating too it's crazy because Phil has come out and said that um, games are actually selling better outside of Game Pass even when they're on Game Pass like even their own we saw the Xbox first party titles uh, hit MPD and Game Pass uh, downloads don't count towards MPD, so I, I mean that's a huge negotiating tactic too, right? If they can present that at the meeting of like mm-hmm. yeah. your game will sell well too if it's on our service, which is probably surprising to devs. Like, so we're going to give it for this subscription service, not free because you have to pay ten dollars a month. But then you're also saying through the charts that our game's going to sell better. That's really cool. Um, yeah, it's 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 very interesting how the mind works with sales and stuff. We've talked about that numerous times of how fascinating that stuff can be. Um, next up, uh, the UK game market goes digital. This is from GameIndustry.biz by Christopher Dring. In 2018, UK video games, excluding consoles, generated over 3.86 billion pounds, and three billion of that was digital. So digital accounted for 80.1% of the revenue in the UK, which is crazy for video game sales. Um, but uh, I guess we'll get to that later. So digital sales grew 12.5% year over year, which is expected with those numbers, and physical actually dropped 3%. So you saw it go both ways. Digital sales increased and physical sales dropped. It wasn't like both increased or anything like that. Um, But in terms of AAA sales, uh, physical still uh, accounts for 75% of physical sales for AAA games. So obviously this is where like stats can lie and things can seem one way when they're not the you know so for AAA releases in the UK 75% of sales are still 
physical despite digital being a majority bread owner in the overall revenue for games. Um, and I, I'm assuming it's only tracking new AAA game sales, you know what I mean? Brand new releases. Um, yeah, it's, you know, UK isn't necessarily as strong of a trend for the rest of the Western world as the United States is, right, for for Canada and the UK, but it still is a signifier um, that we are moving towards a digital future, which we all know is going to happen. Um, and for a country... For a country that's not known for having great internet, like the UK doesn't have bad internet, but their ring of countries aren't known for having like stellar internet. They're not like southeastern Asian countries, right? Um, and for them to still commit to digital like that is kind of crazy. I don't think there's anything else to add there. Is that surprising to you that digital counted for eighty percent? No, because I mean, um, they, I assume that that counts like DLC stuff and sales, you know, all yeah. the Fortnite stuff. Um, so the combination of like, well, more people are playing just Fortnite, not buying new games, so they're just buying microtransactions on Fortnite or whatever. And then um, they might have bought a physical copy of Spider-Man, but their only option is to buy the digital DLC, right? Um, so yeah, it's not quite as telling as it might seem based on the headline, but definitely um, every year we're stepping toward more towards digital stuff. So yeah, yeah it's expected. The digital future, yeah. yeah. Um, next up. The next Call of Duty may be Modern Warfare 4. This comes away of GameSpot by Jordan Rumi. Given the normal three-year rotation we're used to with Call of Duty, that means that 2019's entry in the franchise will come from Infinity Ward. Unfortunately for them, their last release was Infinite Warfare. That was a tongue twister, you know, Infinite, uh, Infinity Ward making Infinite Warfare. Great. Uh, that came out in 2016. The game came out to generally positive reviews. Um, they were probably in the mid-80s, if I remember correctly, mid to low 80s. Um, but mostly negative reception from the player base, which people can say, like, oh, that's every Call of Duty game. But, uh, you know, Call of Duty Black Ops 4 this year has trended upwards. Like, people are actually enjoying that game, enjoying Blackout, enjoying a lot about it. Um, and some people have some interesting takes. So there was a tease about the game, Dom, on uh, Twitter confirming that Infinity Ward's making the game this year, which isn't really a tease, right? But it was accompanied by, like, a, like a skull kind of... Uh, a school kind of logo, right? And people automatically assumed, like, oh, so are they just making Ghosts too? Because Call of Duty Ghosts by Infinity Ward had, a, like, a skull logo. Um, but Jason Schreier, our boy on the inside, actually came out and denied that. He said, I have my sources. They're not making Ghosts too. That's definitely not the game they're making. We all know they're not making Infinite Warfare 2, obviously. So it seems like the likeliest scenario is one of two things, because a skull is in relation to a Modern Warfare character, Ghost. Um, and he had kind of like the same emblem, people found out through research. So we're looking at two scenarios here, Dom, and I want to have some questions for you following this. So it's either A, they're returning to their popular sub-franchise and it's going to be Modern Warfare 4, right, like the headline says. Or, if you remember with Infinite Warfare, their last release, what was that accompanied by? The release of Modern Warfare Remastered. Remastered. Mm-hmm. So people think that this might just be a new sub-franchise, like called something else, but it'll be accompanied by a remaster of Modern Warfare 2, just like uh, Infinite Warfare was. So I have a couple of questions for you. One, what would Modern Warfare need? Modern Warfare 4 need to show you to get interested? Nothing. It really can't. Okay. For me, I would say... <laughs> Sorry. No. Yeah, for me, it would need to show a grounded approach to a battle royale mode, 
what a big turnoff for me with Blackout is it's like so futuristic and there's so many things. Um, if the Modern Warfare take on Battle Royale was a little bit more grounded, um, like the Modern Warfare games tend to be in comparison to the other futuristic entries, that would get me um, interested. We also have rumors um, that Blackout is going to go standalone and you'll be able to buy it on its own. So who's to say if that just gets updated with like you know the update for whatever the new call of duty game is and blackout will always just be a side thing we don't know how that's going to pan out um it having a campaign would get me more interested um because like, i've always liked the modern warfare campaigns i don't know if we'll ever get another call of duty campaign who knows uh we'll find out there too but uh if it's just multiplayer and some uh their version of the zombies side game mode and you know blackout continues to be its own thing i'm 100 percent out um, yeah, if it's a new IP, maybe depending, but it needs to have a grounded battle royale or a strong campaign preview. Um, the second question for you, I don't even know how you feel about Modern Warfare 2, but what's more interesting to you, uh, Modern Warfare 2 remaster or MW4 or, or neither? You can say neither. I think MW4, I wasn't, a, I wasn't crazy on, uh, Modern Warfare 2. I was an absolute psychotic maniac about Modern Warfare Call of Duty Four, um, yeah. you know, like 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 a lot of people were. Um, I actually I adored that, you know, beyond. That's like in my top five of all time games, I think. Um, but thousands of hours into that boy. Um, so two, when it came out, I was kind of like out of the scene of the, you know, like battle. What the fuck do they call it? Um, shoot, what do they call the website where you could have teams and. Battle uh, squad. Battle Battle.net. Maybe it was Battle.net, no, no, no. but that sounds no, like battle, a Warcraft thing. No, Battle.net is a Blizzard thing. It's not Battlegrounds. Right. Ooh, anyway. I don't um, remember it. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to look this up later. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of fell out of that scene for a while, and then I, I was going into high school, and I didn't have as much time as I did in middle school, which was all I did in middle school was play Modern Warfare. Um, so yeah, the second game, and it just wasn't as good as a game. I think it went, went too far. The nuke, I hated the nuke. Like twenty-five kill streak, and you get a nuke. It was, and people were breaking the game by like cheating to get nukes, and it, I don't, it had a lot of problems for me. So I'd prefer, you know, I'd be more interested in, in a new modern warfare game entirely, and a fourth one, especially if they, like you said, brought in a campaign. Maybe, maybe I would uh, retract my previous statement. That might game battles a little bit game battles that was it Boom. yep uh yeah I, I i was bothering me too i was like i have to remember the name of that website yeah. uh it's tough so i i was I'd like you not to step step over what you just said too much but uh i was in love with modern warfare i played a bunch modern warfare 2 i still played a bunch because i had a, a strong core of people yeah. who wanted to continue I, playing i COD. played a shit ton of that too yeah um, and my a lot of my friends actually like COD uh, Modern Warfare Two over the first one, which I'm like, that's crazy. Um, you know, what you call those people <laughs> heretics. Heretics. Um, Modern Warfare Three was like my heart out. Like I really didn't like that game at all. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I don't and, even think I played that one. And that was actually when Vince Zampella left to make uh, Titan Titanfall. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the no. studio though. Respawn. When they left and ditched and had the lawsuit and went to go make Respawn. Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd be in... Here's the thing. If they announce Modern Warfare 4, it's not a guarantee, oh, first day I'm in. But it intrigues me enough because that's the franchise I'm closest to. I think the generation below us, they're all about Black Ops. Like, they grew up with... Black Ops is their, their Call of Duty, right? 
I think they love. That's why it's been the the highest selling uh, sub franchise because it's like the hot thing. And us older generation that have kind of gotten over Call of Duty, our thing was Modern Warfare. And I think it's business wise, I think it'd be smart for them to go back to it, right? Because though you may be a hard out, I'm not a hard out, but I'm pretty close to not playing it no matter what. But I do think they're willing to take the risk because they know they'll have the base that buys Call of Duty every year that sets sales records. But then they're always going for that bigger piece of the pie. And they're like, well, if we can hit two birds with one stone, let's try to also bring in that audience that has elapsed on Call of Duty, right? I think it's a well, smart move for them to go back to it. Um, the Modern Warfare 2 remaster doesn't do anything for me. I was stoked for the Modern Warfare remaster until I found out all the stuff they changed with multiplayer and they added guns and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, it's not even the game I wanted. So I just dodged it. I might Someday I might go back and just get it to play the remastered version of the campaign, but who knows. Um, you know, Call of Duty happens every year and it's so funny that they treat it like it's an out-of-nowhere announcement every year. It's like, hey guys, we're here to reveal the next Call of Duty game. It's like, we know it's happening. It's, just, it's weird. Um, the last story. I thought this Call of Duty story was going to be the last story in the headlining topic, Dom, uh, because it is interesting whether or not they go back to it because World War II, uh, Call of Duty World War II, people liked. Um, it's a good game. pretty well. Uh, Black Ops 4 did tremendously, and people were in- into it, and we're in the Battle Royale scene. And this is Infinity Ward coming back and seeing, like, do we still have it? Because for a long time, Infinity Ward was the strongest out of the three teams, and now a lot of people consider them the weakest out of the three. So I do think they have a lot to prove as well. Um, but the story broke this morning. This actually comes by way of friend of the show and often guest Logan Moore. He wrote this over at Dual Shockers. Oh. Um, former Hearthstone devs partner with Marvel. So this is funny because one of our pred- if you w- listen to the prediction episode or watched it, one of my predictions was would we see a Marvel partnership in 2020? I, I said yes. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure you and Jordan both said yes, if memory serves incorrect. I mean, it's a pretty easy bet. I hope none of us yeah. said no, because three days into the year, it happened. <laughs> um, so, Ben Brode, the name might not seem familiar, but he was actually the director for Hearthstone. And if you don't know what Hearthstone is, it's, the I think, the largest living card game online. Like, it's huge. makes millions of dollars. It's obviously from Blizzard. Um, that game, people... I think it actually won Game of the Year from game trailers and a couple of places when it came out. It's a beloved game. Um, obviously, the core audience has issues with balancing and stuff like that. That's how it'll be in any competitive game. But Hearthstone is one of the biggest successes, and it was a very well-designed and developed game. Anyways, so he was the director for that game, and people loved him. He's one of the people during BlizzCon that went up on stage and talked, right? And he was one of the personalities people enjoyed at Blizzard. Um, he left, and he took some people from Blizzard, and he made his own studio. Second Dinner, uh, which is a very funny name for a studio. And they were quiet, and people were wondering for a long time, what are they going to do? Well, today, via a blog post and a video on their YouTube channel, they announced a couple of things. They showed off their new studio. Uh, They're a smaller, obviously, dev team. I think they were between, on the video, I saw maybe like between five to ten people. So they're, you know, they're actually hiring up right now. Um, They announced a couple of things. First off, they announced that they got $30 million in funding from NetEase which is huge, right? That's a lot of funding. I think a lot of that has to do with the belief in Ben Brode as a director, and they saw the success that he had with Hearthstone. So NetEase is willing to put that money up to invest in this project, right? I think also 
the second announcement probably helped with the funding as well that their first project is in partnership with Marvel. Um, this is a big thing. This isn't, you know, 10 years ago when everybody was getting the Marvel license. We, so far, we have Spider-Man, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, and the Avengers game. Am I missing anything, Dom? There's Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, but I think that was a tie-over from the past because remember we did that story how like Marvel was pissed off at how bad that game was and they kind of pulled out support. Um, I would say Spider-Man, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, and the Avengers game, which we're still waiting to hear about, are the three games in this new era of Marvel. So this is a big deal. This shows the confidence in Marvel, too, giving it to a brand new studio, right? Um, I think a lot of people have faith in Ben Brode. He's a very likable guy. I'm pretty sure you're not familiar with him, Dom. But if you heard him talk, he's I'm just a very likable and approachable person. Uh, he's kind of like Phil Spencer. Like, they're just people that, like, are just, like, normal dudes that you would like to have a beer with or have a drink with or just talk, chat with, right? Um, but they're really good at what they do. Anyways, they went on to uh, clarify that they're currently staffing up. Like I said, they had, like, between five and ten people. Um, and they have enough savings uh, to get the project done with no worries of pursuing additional funding. We know with indie games, this, or any game, period, in development, it's tough because a lot of times studios go over budget and then they have to find a second, um, second not schedule, what's the word I'm looking for, second round of funding for their game, right, to get it finished because they go over budget. Um, and they kind of assured people, new hires, that they have a lot invested and they're focusing on this first project and they should be able to get funded. And another thing with the recent layoffs from Telltale and all these other studios, um, they said that they are going to be offering full health care and benefits to anybody that gets hired, um, which I think is smart because you can sit here and say like, oh, I'm Ben Brode, I made Hearthstone, we can make a great game together, yada, yada, yada. I think job security and game unions and all this stuff, this current conversation has people worried. And I think it's smart to be like, we have benefits, so, you know, don't worry about that. Um, all of that being said, the funding and the Marvel partnership, Dom, I have a question for you. Should we expect it to be a living card game based off of their prior experience? You know, the easiest and most logical uh, line to jump to is that, oh, they made Hearthstone a successful card game. They partner with Marvel to make a successful card game. That doesn't mean that's the case, right? I think people are jumping on that too quickly. I mean... If I a gun to my head, I might say that's most likely, but you know, by by one percent, I guess maybe if if I had no other idea, right? I think it's almost as likely that it's something entirely different. I mean, um, we just got done talking about it a little bit ago, um, Gorilla and Sony Santa Monica doing exactly, crazy yep. different things than they are known for. So, I mean, and this is even though it's the director from the Hearthstone game or whatever. Um, it's a new studio technically, right? So, yep. um, I don't, again, I don't think it's probably just as good a chance that it's something entirely different than a card game too. I, yeah. I don't see any crazy, re I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't put a ton of money on the fact that this is a card game again. Exactly. And it's tough because we're in completely blind territory in terms of the studios never made another game. So we don't have, uh, familiarity for them. We have, oh, this guy was the director of Hearthstone, but that doesn't mean all the other people he brought on, they were at Blizzard. It doesn't mean they were on the Hearthstone team. You know, they could have been on the Overwatch team. They could have been on any other team. Um, so that's one thing. Two, Marvel 
doesn't seem like they're going for a specific set of games. Like, Marvel Ultimate Alliance is very different from Spider-Man, is very different from what we're hearing about Avengers, so they're not going for, like, the same set of game for everything. Um, the funding is interesting because we don't know at what size this project is. Is this, like, a triple-I indie game? Is this a double-A game? It's most certainly not a triple-A game, obviously, but I do think there's a difference between, like, a solid double-A game and a triple-I in, indie game, right? and your expectations for what that is and what it possibly could be. Um, there's a lot of questions there. So let's take Living Card Game off the table. I think that's an easy go-to choice for what you expect them to be. Realistically, what do you think the scope of this game will be? So it doesn't matter what game it actually is. What do you think the scope will be? Given the funding, given the prior experience, what do you think the scope they're going for is? I mean, it Gun to your head, as you like to say. Which it's I, like literally not a shot fan of that in the dark, phrase, right? Because yeah, literally shot in the dark, right? Because we don't know the size of the studio or the like you said the funding. Um, so I mean, we're guessing based on I guess Marvel's catalog of games currently well, planned. It's <laughs> so, like well, thirty million funding you, from NetEase. What does that mean in relation to the development of a game? You know, uh, there are five to ten people. Are they hiring three to four people? Or are they hiring? 10 to 15 people it's i just want to know from you if you're a betting man and you were gambling on this deducing everything you've heard what would your strongest indication would be for the scope of this game like a mobile game i'm you think that's small yeah interesting i'm gonna say mobile game yeah well mobile games can be no i'm not saying profit wise or or i'm i guess for me scope is like I guess I was wrong for saying small game. For me, I'm still, you know, it's like when somebody says a mobile game, I'm like, Ugh, a mobile game? You know what I mean? So not necessarily small, but disappointing. Well, like you said, I guess Hearthstone right is a thing. huge mobile game, right? Well, it's huge on PC, like, uh, and then it came to mobile, yeah. Okay, fair. But, like, there's, uh, you know, there's big budget mobile games. That exists, right? Like, um, Yeah, I, I don't, don't, I don't, know don't take, examples, but for what I said, real. that... For what I said, small. I just meant disappointing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, <laughs> that, that would sure, disappoint sure. me. Not small. I yeah. I yeah. should have just said disappointing. <laughs> I mean, well, most mobile games are cheap, fucking garbage, right? That are quickly made and stuff. But there yeah. are higher budget Solid. mobile games, even if they're in the style of a mobile game, as far as uh, the pay structure and stuff. The one argument I'll have for this, and it's probably something you don't know about, so it's fine is that they already have three, like, really popular mobile games out there now. So they have Marble... Marble? Marble. They have Marvel Strike Force, uh, which is, like, a turn-based combat game, which is huge and popular. They have Marvel Puzzle Quest, which is Puzzle Quest, both a Marvel skin on it. And then they have Marvel Something Else, which is, like, a tap-and-fight game. I forgot the name of it, but they're, like, they, they push them in marketing a lot. So like that's yeah, already three I, big mobile games. I'm not saying they couldn't have a. I would have guessed that. Impossible, but. Yeah, I, I didn't know that, but I would have guessed that. In fact, I would have guessed probably they have more than that. Yeah. Because um, for one, it seems like every week I see a commercial f- commercial for a new Star Wars mobile game, um, or a new Walking <laughs> Dead mobile game. So I don't Jesus. think that there's literally a number on how many Marvel yeah, exactly. mobile games they would make. <laughs> yeah, it just for me it's like. For somebody like Ben Brode and his staff who, like, Blizzard doesn't really make... Hearthstone is a game that got ported to mobile, but Blizzard isn't known for making mobile games. 
And for a guy who gotcha. left Blizzard to do his own thing, it's just a weird thing for me to believe that... And there's nothing wrong with the mobile games. I just think that he left to make... Uh, like game, like console and PC games. You know what I mean? It'd be weird for me if that he left Blizzard to make mobile games. You know? Okay. That see see what I did there is I unfairly you know <laughs> made that assumption because I everything I know about Hearthstone is a uh, Hearthstone or Hearthstone. Yeah, everything I know about it is it's a big mobile game, which is not. I mean that's true, but yes, it's originally a big pc game that just happened to fit well on mobile afterwards right so oh yeah yeah so you're probably right <laughs> yeah i mean mobile is a, is a strong thing though because if you make a game with enough marketing and it's a good game you can make a lot of money um and to to your point net ease and for giving a company 30 million dollars a lot of those funding companies like mobile games right net ease i believe is an asian company right. So, like, if they're hearing the pitch that they're making a Marvel mobile game, them giving them $30 million, you can draw a line there. Oh, that makes sense. So I don't think you're completely off base. For me, I just think it'd be a huge disappointment because I'm not a mobile game guy. (laughs) I'm sure people would love it. It'd probably be a good game. I'm just like, ah, really? Marvel partnership for a mobile game? Gross. Um, I do, I want to say, we don't talk about a lot of studios. I do love the name Second Dinner. Their logo is, like, a creature eating another plate of food, which is really funny. Um, it reminds me of Lord of the Rings uh, with Second Breakfast. So, yeah, really cool name. I'm excited to see what this is. We made the prediction. I didn't think it happened three days into the year, but it did. Here's hoping all of the rest of our predictions come to fruition. Uh, before I close out the show, I want to say we're going to be doing Goaty next week, but we might end up pushing it to the following week if the, a rumor is true. There's a rumor right now, Dom, that apparently there's going to be a Nintendo Direct next Thursday. Um, yes. So if that happens, we might get an announcement for Animal Crossing release date and a bunch of other stuff. Obviously, it's a rumor. We're expecting a Direct in January. If it happens next week, it happens. So I want to preface this by saying our plan is to do Goaty next week. But if the Direct happens, we're going to focus on that Direct, and then we'll handle Goaty the following week. But uh, who knows? Some of those rumors are true. Some of them are not. It just, you know, we've seen a Nintendo Direct in January the last couple of years, early in, in the month. Who knows? We'll see. Hopefully we'll have Jordan back. Um, in terms of what we're going to be playing, I don't think there's too much for me to say. I kind of want to get to Below to see if maybe Below, where Below ranks on my personal oh, yeah. list. Uh, I haven't gotten to it yet. I've just, focusing on God of War was a huge task for me because uh, it's not a super long game, but, um, you know, take some time. And, uh... Yeah, I'm thinking of anything else that comes out. Uh, not off the top of my head, but yeah, just going to do that. Watch that new Black Mirror movie that's getting like mixed reception because it's like a choose-your-own-adventure. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for me. What about you? Man, I guess I never mentioned that because technically that is a game too, right? I did watch Bandersnatch. <laughs> yeah. Or experience or play Bandersnatch. It's interesting. I'll just say that. Um, I, I don't – real quick, you don't have to go on a you, – you, you don't have to go on a tangent about this, but I don't remember you being a Black Mirror person. Am I wrong about oh. that? Oh, I love Black Mirror. Okay. I, was cool. I guess I just... Yeah. yeah. God, sorry. It's on me. Yep. The last two seasons, uh, we, you know, binge them, I think, a day. Um, as okay. A day as they came out. And they're small, short episodes or whatever, but... Y- yep. Um, but yeah, I love Black Mirror, so I was excited for this. I didn't realize the nature of it um, until, like, you know, I first went in that day. Um, 
but it's definitely interesting. Um, it's something definitely go check it out. You know, I think everyone should. Yeah. Who has Netflix? I mean, go go check it out. It's a pretty cool idea. Um, we can talk, I guess, later about like you know what, whatever. It's I saw a lot of people like kind of upset, like wow, you know, we have this with video games and. They're upset because, you know, this is going to a more mainstream audience who is saying, like, wow, this is so cool and revolutionary. It's like, well, no, that's existed already, and we have Telltale games and yada yada. It's like, okay, but there's a difference between owning a console and Netflix, which exactly you know, yeah. going on your phone, right? So this is going to a huge new audience that would never have touched a console or a video game. Um, the biggest complaint, too, that I saw was, like, why don't we just get a new season of Black Mirror? It's like, A, if you pay attention to the news, there is a new season coming. <laughs> Very um, soon. Exactly. Um, and I haven't watched it yet. I may like it. I may not. I still am glad it exists because it is an experiment, and I'm yeah. down for that. As being a creative Definitely. person, it's like I'm down for them trying new stuff. So, um, yeah. are, Is there anything you're playing? Uh, we went on the Bandersnatch. Yeah, I, I have to get back into Rather, I do want to get – I don't want to say I have to. I want to get back into Fallout 76. I took some time off because when you get into Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you either don't get into it and you quit early or you're neck deep trying to keep your head above above water because that yeah. game is just overwhelming your world because uh, it's freaking awesome and it's huge. So I, I got distracted from Fallout for a while there, but I do want to get back into it because um, I was having a lot of fun with that game. And there's been a <laughs> – it seems like at least once a week I see a tweet from Bethesda that there's maintenance going on and the game is down, which is, which was really irritating that first week when I had to wait. I finally had free time to play it, and then they're like, oh, maintenance. <laughs> yeah. Drove me nuts. But hopefully that's all with a good cause and the game is getting more stable. Um, I didn't have too many problems, but, yeah, hopefully it's only getting – I mean, it can't get worse, I guess. <laughs> so hopefully yeah, they're making true. it better and not worse. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to get back into it because still, there's still a lot of story there I want to – Go check out. I still got to see it. It's a giant map. Um, that, there's still a lot there I want to go check out. It's 76. So, yeah. Otherwise, I'm just kind of waiting for Kingdom Hearts, I guess, at this point. So Hype check? 1 to 10? What is it at right now? 10. I'm fucking lit for this game right now. I'm ready. So, normally when we have these big <laughs> new releases, uh, and this is generalizing, I think, you know, we all 10 have different opinions, obviously. Jordan tends to be the the one that has the most issues most of the time it's me and you that are more positive on things i have a feeling that with yeah it's not a bad thing it's just who he is and there's nothing wrong with that it's his opinion but that being said i think with kingdom hearts 3 i think that might be me because right now my hype is like at a seven i'm not really like i'm i'm excited for it but i'm not like over the over the hills for it Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of worries and concerns about it being dated oh, yeah. in terms of gameplay and oh, structure and everything. Same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think the reason your hype is higher than me is because you've actually played them more recently again than I have, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that that's why you have the added anticipation whether or not you well, do have those worries. You know what? Why aren't they on Xbox? Just saying. You've said it before. Maybe you would have played them, you know, had those collections come out last year on Xbox, right? Oh, I would have bought that thing in a hot minute. <laughs> right. Kind of silly, square, whatever. And people are like, well, Jared, you own a PS4 now. Yeah, but I'm also not well, going to do late. that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I'm, I am excited for Kingdom Hearts 3. I am just cautiously optimistic, and I'm worried. Um, because the last two I games that have had... We had Last Guardian, uh, which came out and felt like a 10-year-old game. 
we had Final Fantasy 15 come out and wasn't even finished. Kingdom Hearts 3 is the last one out of those three that we've been waiting a long time for. And I'm like, it could be the one that's like the good one, or it could just fall in line with both of them. So I don't know. We'll see. That's it, that's my, my expectation as well. We talked about it, I think, a few weeks ago, um, or longer than that now, I guess, but we're kind of expecting this to be like at launch, kind of like middling, like... It, you know, it's Kingdom Hearts 3, so it's just a huge deal, but it's probably, I, I'm picturing some problems, uh, you know, kind of like similar to Final Fantasy 15, right? It's a huge game. It sold really well, but people had some problems with it, so I, I picture well, that uh, happening. And obviously, Jordan and I lamented on the fact that, like, Breath of the Wild, like, how would it have fared if it didn't have the Legend of Zelda name on it, right? Yada, yada, yada. We had the argument forever. With Kingdom Hearts 3, I'm interested to see how many people justify how good or bad it is based on it being Kingdom Hearts 3. Like, are people willing to be like, oh, who cares if it feels like it's 10 years ago? It's Kingdom Hearts 3. Just be happy it came out. Or, you know, yeah. you know, justifying all this stuff. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I mean, we've talk, we talk about it a lot, right? Of like, well, this game did this thing really, really well, so it was easy to overlook the other things, right? So that yeah, I think that's going to be a lot here. If this, if Kingdom Hearts three didn't have any IP that we knew about in it, it wouldn't be as popular. I mean, the series wouldn't be what it is, but it is what it is, and it does have that IP. So yeah. same thing, like I mentioned with God of War, like it does exist um, in a world where the other God of War games were already made. So yeah. you know, would people, would this latest God of War have scored as critically high as it did if it were the first of a new series? I don't, I don't know. I mean it. It only exists in the world in which it exists with that other that other context around it. So, uh. I do think, though, that me and you, and I think Jordan to an extent, too. Jordan's, I think, he falls differently on different games. But me and you are pretty strong on gameplay. Like, a game, if a game has bad gameplay, it's pretty telling for us. You know what I mean? Um, that's why I think we both enjoy the Souls-like game so much. And even, like, my gripes with God of War, it still has great gameplay. I'm not saying it has bad gameplay. Um that's going to be interesting because if Kingdom Hearts 3 has bad gameplay, I don't know how much I can overlook if I feel like I'm playing a game from 10 to 15 years ago because we've also had the discussion that out of us three, I'm the one that has the toughest time going to play old games because I'm like, the old game feels old and it's hard for me to overcome that. So, I'm with you on that a little bit. Yeah. Maybe not as strongly, but and the other thing too on top of that, this is going to be probably a bigger game, like 30 to 40 hours probably for the main story type of game. So if it's not the best gameplay it's harder to get through that many hours you know if it's not great but i mean with the disney world and stuff it's like we'll we'll trudge through (laughs) we want to see that stuff exactly that's the opposite side of that ticket where like exactly awesome ip that's cool to see so yeah the thing is i know how many people have been waiting for this game for as long as it's been in development i'm just happy for those people to finally get what they've been wanting you know what i mean whether it's a good game or a bad game i'm just I'm just glad it's finally coming out. <laughs> so, uh, that's it for episode 127 of the Control Ventures Gamecast. Like I said, we're planning on doing Godi next week. If that direct happens, we'll do the direct instead, and we'll push Godi another week. Um, I want to give a quick shout-out to uh, Stan Lee. He passed away, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I, I love Stan Lee. It just, it's going to be... It, DC actually did a really cool thing in their comics this week that they're paying tribute to him which I think is really cool on their covers. It says, in honor of Stan Lee, which is a really nice gesture. Um, yeah. Also, I want to give a shout-out to... Did you see the Us trailer, Dom? Oh, I'm so ready. Yeah, it yeah. fantastic. Oh, so good. Uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. It's going to be another great year. Glad to have Dom and Jordan back on this ride of 
talking about video games, uh, the, the positives and the negatives. E3 is going to be crazy this year without Sony. What are they going to do? A lot of un unanswered questions. Really quick before I go, last thing. Dom, I forgot to mention this during the show because I didn't think it was crazy news. There was a report that the Nintendo Switch during the month of December sold more than the PS4 and Xbox oh. combined. Yes, I saw that. It's pretty cool. So when MPDs happen this month, when we get the December MPDs for later in January, it's going to be really interesting to see how that all panned out um, and see where where everything sits You know, post-2018 in terms of console sales. Anyways, we'll catch you guys next week. Have a good one. Bye.